What's going on, world? Welcome to Changing the Narrative. This is a show where we discuss everything from politics, philosophy, theology, social issues, economics, and more from a biblical perspective. The main goal of this show is to find truth. What is the truth about all these matters and how should we respond once we have a greater understanding of the issues? Let's discuss. What's going on, world? Welcome back to Changing the Narrative. Today, I have special guest Tom Hofling. Tom is the founder and national chairman of America's Party. He was the presidential nominee of 2016 and 2020. Tom served as political director for Alan Keyes, who also ran for president. And he's written several articles on abortion and constitutional principles. Today, we talk about abortion. Abortion is a very sensitive issue, but uh, one of those issues that has maybe scratched my head over the years because it could be confusing, especially when I read the principles in the Constitution. And I watch the news and I hear a lot of outrage about the loss of innocent life, whether it be from police brutality, gun violence, wars, etc. You know, you think about laws that protect animals, animal cruelty laws, the Animal Welfare Act, etc., But I think about babies. Do babies have any protections? Are babies looked at as individuals and human beings? The Constitution talks about the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Do babies have that right? The Constitution also talks about individual rights. Are we looking at our babies as individuals? Just something to think about. So anyway, I wanted to have Tom on the show today. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Please give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Peace. So, Tom, I wanted to uh, start out by um, getting some information about your background. Um, you ran as a presidential candidate in 2020, correct? Yeah, I actually I've run three times now as an independent candidate or as a candidate of a couple of different smaller parties. Okay. And what years did you run? Um, well, we left the GOP in 2007 when they nominated John McCain. And so we we started a new party, America's Party, in 2008. We ran Alan Keyes that year, who was an old friend of mm-hmm. ours and cohort. And then I, I was the party's nominee in 2012, 2016, and 2020. Okay. We, we also had the nominations of the American Independent Party in California and the American Party nationally, which is another old, small party. Gotcha. And what made you leave the G, uh, the GOP when John McCain was um, nominated? Well, I've been an activist going back, clear back to the 80s. And, you know, I followed things very closely on the Hill. And I knew for I knew John McCain. I knew he was someone who had opposed the conservative agenda in the cloakrooms of the Senate for decades. So there was no way that I was going to sell out everything I believed in and everything I'd worked for to support someone like McCain or, you know, going on down the line, Romney or Trump. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, I remember that year when he ran. And uh, obviously, I mean, a lot of conservatives, Republicans supported him because he was a nominee. Um But sometimes what you have is you have people, you have false choices. And, um, you know, I've read that John McCain is somewhat of a rhino. So, you know, it seems like every election you get the same choices pretty much. So you're not really getting a choice at all. Um, And recently you uh, wrote an article about abortion. 
um, and you compare abortion to the Holocaust, um, why do you compare it to the Holocaust? Well, the only reason they don't compare is that abortion has killed, you know, has claimed far more victims than uh, the Holocaust in Europe did in the 30s and 40s. Um, but they're the same thing. They're extinguishing is genocide. We're just blotting out uh, millions and millions and tens of millions of innocent victims. So it is what it is. It's genocide. Right. Why do you think that it doesn't get looked at as a Holocaust or, or compared on that, on that level? Why do you think it's overlooked? Well, I, I place the chief, you may be surprised to hear, I, 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 don't, blame, I don't put the chief blame on the pro-aborts or the atheists or those folks. I, in this country, and of course I'm speaking in the United States, I put the bulk of the blame on on the Christian church. Uh, the church has compromised uh, the pro-life movement, which has been ongoing for almost half a century now, is a complete and utter failure. It's everything they do is a compromise of moral principle, constitutional principle, and legal principle. So the, the, if the church would get it right and stop compromising with evil, uh, shuck their judicial supremacist fallacy that they bought into, uh, then abortion could be stopped quickly. I mean, uh, the Christians in this country have elected Republicans again and again, and often given the Republicans total control of the government in all of its branches and in a majority of the states. So, so if the Christians would get their act together, quit compromising, quit electing evil candidates who have no intention of stopping abortion, uh, stop writing bills that in effect end with, and then you can kill the baby, uh, quit kowtowing to illicit opinions from courts, uh, abortion could be stopped practically overnight in this country. Interesting. Um, in your article, you talk about the natural moral law being the basis for uh, self-government. And I just want to touch on that just to start from like a, a human perspective or just a fundamental understanding of human rights. Uh, you also quote the uh, Declaration of Independence saying, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Um, and you going to say this, the Constitution is the supreme law of our land. I forgot, almost forgot one of the most important parts. Um, among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, also, you state no person shall be deprived of life without due process of law. I think one of the reasons why people don't take these principles and apply it to abortion is because some people don't consider babies to be human. Um, I, they just don't look at babies as, I don't know, just well, being, yeah, just being natural humans. I don't know <laughs> what that is, but. Well, let me, let me address that. Okay. I mean, talk about being anti-science. I mean, uh, basic biology, every biology textbook there is will tell you when human life begins. There, there, there's only one time it can begin. There is no other uh, place it could begin physical human existence. It's at the moment of the fertilization of 
you know, when the sperm meets the egg, I mean, those basic birds and bees, right? Every adult should know the birds and the bees. We all know. Anybody who tells you that they don't know whether that child, that already conceived child is a human being, a person, they're not being honest. They're not being honest with themselves. Everybody knows it's a person. And deep down, everybody knows it's murder to kill them intentionally. Everybody knows it. This is why when you read those words of the Declaration of Independence, our founders, our forebears, they didn't beat around the bush. They didn't argue about it. They simply asserted the self-evident truth that all men are created equal, not born equal, but created equal. And they are therefore endowed by their creator with their God-given unalienable right to life. This is why government exists. If you go back through Western civilization, you go back biblical history, whatever, go back to Cicero, go back to Thomas Aquinas, okay? The natural moral lies, the underpinning. You know, read what the founders of our republic said. They based our constitution on the natural moral law. You know, they quoted, they quoted Blackstone. The only, the only source they quoted more than Blackstone was the Bible. And Blackstone talked incessantly about the natural moral law being the basis for the law. So, you know, as a Christian, as a uh, Bible believer, go back to Genesis chapter 9. You know, after the flood, God's command to the sons of Noah, you, know, you, you must requite the shedding of innocent blood. If somebody sheds innocent blood, they, they lose their life. This is the very source of God-instituted human government. Why? To protect innocent human life. This is the, the primary reason that human government even exists in the first place. And this is all fundamental uh, the people of this country, Christians, again, is where I mainly point the finger, have either forgotten this or they choose to ignore all of these things that I'm talking about. Right. So basically, the Constitution is uh, guaranteeing the rights of human beings. And what you're saying I, is that these uh, these rights, these constitutional rights also apply to babies. <laughs> well, if, you know, people... They kind of brush by the first words of our Constitution, which a lot of people call the preamble. The Constitution never calls it a preamble. What it actually is at the very beginning, it's the, the document statement of purpose. And if you don't mind, let me read it quickly. It's just one paragraph. Sure. It says, we, the people of the United States, in order to, okay, now there's going to be a list, okay, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. And I, I'm here today to tell you, abortion destroys every single clause of that statement of purpose that I just read. It absolutely makes it impossible to fulfill any of those purposes. You know, the, the most obvious one at the end, why does, what's the supreme final purpose for the Constitution? It's to secure the blessings of liberty to our posterity. What's posterity? It's those who aren't born yet. Shoot, it even includes those who aren't even conceived yet. They're, you know, when you abort a child, you're not only killing the child, you're killing their bloodline. 
You're extinguishing a whole bloodline. You're extinguishing every future generation that might have come through that individual. You're, you're actually exterminating posterity instead of securing liberty to posterity. Right. So, so abortion violates every single stated purpose of the Constitution. Then you go into the Fifth Amendment, which you already read. No person should be deprived of life without due process. Uh, that's no innocent person. You have to, to have your life taken away. You have to have a free trial or a, a fair trial on a capital offense before you can be put to death. And the 14th Amendment made it even more explicit. It said the same thing, but then it also said that every state has to uh, provide for the equal protection of the laws, that no one can have their life taken away without a fair trial on a capital offense. That's basically what it says. Right. Uh, you, you can extend it even one step further. Go read all of our state constitutions. Read their opening words. Every one of them is supposed to guarantee equal protection under the law for every person. It's supposed to provide protection for the right to life of every person. It's quite explicit in our state constitutions as well. Abortion just destroys all of that. The very basis for our claim to liberty is destroyed. Yeah. Well, I find it interesting that um, you have a lot of or different protected classes in this country. Like, so for instance, there are certain things that you can't do to animals. Right. You know, there are certain laws on the books where if you violate animals in a certain way, you could be held liable, you could be prosecuted. Um, I mean, there's discrimination laws. You know, the LGBTQ community has uh, is a protected class. Um, we we all we have discrimination laws, uh, affirmative action, things like that. But yet, um, babies aren't a protected class. Why do you think babies don't have rights, or people aren't applying these rights to them? Well, because they're they're at odds with God. A. Uh, B, they either have no understanding of their, or they're ignoring the natural moral law. You know, thou shalt not commit murder is not really hard to understand. Uh, you know, they're ignoring our Constitution. They're ignoring, you know, the cornerstone of our claim to liberty, the Declaration of Independence. They're, they're ignoring the fact that the Constitution, our constitutions are the supreme law of our land. So any court opinion to the contrary is completely null and void, according to the principles that this country was founded upon. Um, yeah. You know, if any state legislature passes a law that says, oh, it's okay to go ahead and kill babies, by the way, which is what virtually every pro-life law that has been passed in the states in this country does, they, they virtually all, for the last 50 years, include permission to kill babies as long as you do it on, on schedule or by some arbitrary man-made set of rules. So those laws are on the books, whether they're put there by overt pro-aborts or whether they're put there by pro-lifers, they're, they're, they're immoral, they're unconstitutional, and therefore, legally, they're null and void. When people say, oh, abortion is legal in this country, I always correct them. I say, no, you're wrong. Abortion is not legal in this country. It, cannot, it, it can't be because the Constitution is the supreme law of our land. The, the Constitution, as premised in the moral law, is, is the law. Uh, right. Statutes uh, don't carry that weight. Uh, court opinions certainly don't. Right. So if it is, well, it's not technically legal, but 
if it is permissible that you can kill an innocent child, then on that same grounds, I mean, could the government reinstitute slavery or maybe start being selective about who is allowed to be killed as, as a human being? Like, I mean, if they want to go a they step are. further? They are. I mean, we've been fighting the euthanasia battle for decades as well. I Back in uh, 2004, third time around, they, they, they tortured Terry Schiavo to death in Florida. Okay? They simply said, a judge simply signed an order that said, not only may you uh, dehydrate her to death, but you must dehydrate her to death. So, see, this is the point. If, if the rights of these, these innocent, defenseless children are not protected, guess what, folks? Your rights are not, they're no longer secure. They, they come for the babies. Next, they come for the disabled, just like the Nazis did in Germany. They emptied out the mental hospitals. They emptied out the other hospitals. They killed all those people. Okay, well, guess what? Guess who they're coming for next? It's you. Your rights are no longer in any way secure if equal protection no longer exists in this country for our most important God-given rights. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the, one of the most fundamental uh, elements of, of human life. Um, so, yeah, if we, if we can't protect innocent babies, then I mean, you know, who's to say that we're protected? Um, moving on a little bit, what, what are the profits like in the abortion industry? Oh, like, well, God only knows. You know, uh, you know, you'll see all these reports from various sources saying this is how many abortions there have been. This is how much money Planned Parenthood makes, yada, yada, yada. Uh, they don't know. Only God really knows how much money they're really making. And let me explain what I mean. First of all, you're talking about people who are so callous that they will... They will slaughter an innocent little baby with their bare hands, okay? So these are people who have seared their conscience beyond, maybe perhaps beyond repair. And so do you think someone like that is going to have any problem about lying on their taxes when they're in a cash business? I, I think not. So you don't know how many mm. they're, they're killing. You know how much money they're making on the side, but I'm sure it's huge. That's in, mm. in addition to the billions and billions of dollars they rake in, in every year, just just from government money. Uh, right. So no, it's a it's a it's a huge industry, and you also then you have the opposition to it, which sadly has also become its own industry. I call it pro life Inc. Pro life industry, which exists to basically keep abortion going because that's their money, their cash cow. I mean, I, I'm wow. sorry to be so harsh. Yeah, no, but no the the we've had since 2000 and let me think, 2013 we've run we being abolitionists of abortion who have abandoned the pro life label and now call ourselves abolitionists. We've run bills in various state legislatures, starting with my home state of Iowa in 2013. My legislature later, Tom Shaw ran a bill that would have completely uh, done away with abortion in our state. It, it went straight to the murder code, uh, identified the unborn child as a human being, a person, uh, forbid their murder, and punished uh, their murder the same as any other murder. You know, and also scrubbed our state code of all of the pro-life 
uh, code sections that give permission to kill babies. So we started doing that here in Iowa in 2013. The pro-lifers in the Republican legislature killed it dead. They never even let it have a hearing. Uh, the same thing has happened in state after state where, you know, our our friends and those we work with around the country, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, other states have tried to run these bills as well. The only state where we ever got a hearing even for a, an actual bill of abolition was Texas. In fact, I drove a thousand miles to go testify in Texas for that bill. They killed it. And never yeah. made it out of, out of the subcommittee. The pro-life Republicans killed it dead just so they could go run another useless and then you can kill the baby pro-life bill, which will actually accomplish nothing. Right. How have both parties contributed to the abortion industry? Well, I guess we know how the uh, Democrats have, but we're told that Republicans or conservatives for the most part, I get Republicans um, are pro-life and they're trying to abolish Roe v. Wade. Um, is that true? Is there really a sincere effort being made um, from Republicans in that sense? Because I remember when I was when I was first eligible to vote, you know, I was told, you know, George Bush was going to uh, do something about it. And I think he instituted like partial birth abortion bans and then all the way to um, Trump. You know, I've been told that Trump is very pro-life and um <laughs> he's he's instituted uh justices like um gorsuch well, and and barrett they were going to overturn it so okay is this true no it's it's the biggest lie i've ever seen the, the whole thing is just a big basket of lies okay they have no intention first of all overturning roe is a canard there's nothing to overturn do we need to let me ask you a question do we need to overturn uh Dred Scott to stop slavery. <laughs> you can't. No. First of all, first of all, there's nothing to overturn. Court opinion is not a law. You there's nothing to overturn. It's like saying we're going to overturn what the weather was on some some January day in 1973. You can't do that. It's just an opinion. Nothing to overturn. Dred Scott is of no effect because the Constitution forbids slavery. Okay, abortion is. Illegal and unconstitutional because the the Constitution requires every state to provide equal protection under the law for every person. So Trump had no more intention, you know, never trust a presidential candidate who suddenly becomes pro-life on the eve of deciding to run for for president as a Republican. It's always a sham every single time, and with Trump, it's particularly so. This is a man who had no intention of stopping abortion. The whole uh, I'm going to pick the right judges thing is nothing but a scam. Every one of these judges goes in front of the Senate and says, I'm going to enforce court opinions. Starry decisis. I'm going to defend what the Supreme Court has ruled in the past. That's the law of the land. They say it quite explicitly. Every single one of them. People just, they don't think. It was Republicans a heavily Republican Supreme Court that decided Roe v. Wade in the first place. The the Republican judges have had control of the Supreme Court ever since, and every pro-abortion ruling coming down from the court since has been from Republicans, not Democrats. Hmm. I want to touch on that. Um, 
Well, I, I had a discussion with some friends a while back, and um, this is when I was kind of like coming to a realization that sometimes these party choices are like they can be like two wings on the same bird or some of these these candidates. And I brought up the issue of Roe v. Wade and I said, you know, how come when we had Republican administrations, they didn't overturn it? You know, when they said that they wanted to uh, overturn it, how come it, it just hasn't been done? Regardless of what administration you get, it just never happens. And it's a non-law. Like you said, it's it's a court opinion. So Congress makes laws, not the Supreme Court. Um, so I, I just find it interesting that it's never happened. Um, but how how would you say in particular the Republican Party has um, contributed towards it? In every way. It's like I said, they're the primary culprits. Uh, they've been given complete control in this country over and over again for decades. And they haven't lifted one finger to do anything about abortion. They have no intention of doing so. I mean, Trump himself, when he was running for president, he told you flat out, he said, you know, we have laws on abortion and we need to just keep it that way. He said it. People just pretend that they don't say these things. You know, when his uh, court picks sat in front of the Senate, actually listen to what they say. But, you know, in order to actually correctly interpret what they say, you kind of like have to understand the basic principles, uh, the things that we're talking about here today. You know, you kind of have to have a basic understanding of what it is we're dealing with so that these slick Washington, D.C.-based Republican lawyers don't pick your pocket over election after election after election after election. And, and the babies keep dying. And the basis for our form of government continues to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, can, I, can I recommend a website? Sure. Uh, one website my wife and I developed many years ago and some other, some other great people. It's called Equal Protection for Posterity. So it's e- the word equal protection for F-O-R posterity, P-O-S-T-E-R-I-T-Y dot com, equal protection for posterity dot com. There's a page there that is entitled Judicial Supremacy. It's got quote after quote after quote after quote from our founders, people like Jefferson, Hamilton, and others describing why this whole this whole fallacy of judicial supremacy is a fallacy. And there's a lot of other good content on the site as well. I mean, if you really take what's on that website to heart, you will have a better understanding of the abortion issue than about 99.999% of Republicans in elective office today. Well, that's that's sad. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really sad. Well, you know, when Trump was in office, I've even till this day, I hear that he was the most pro-life president. And also that he defunded Planned Parenthood. Is there any truth to um, him no, that's defunding? A, that's just the biggest lie. He signed every single Planned Parenthood funding bill that came across his desk. He signed over $2 billion over to them while in his one term. So no, that's a lie. The whole thing is the great, big, best pro-life president. It's just a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of specious uh, bloviating that has absolutely no... Uh, grounding in reality whatsoever. When I hear it, I just think to myself, this person is either a big fat liar or the most naive, ignorant person there is. 
So what do you say to those that say, well, he nominated conservative judges and those conservative judges are um, in positions to overturn Roe v. Wade or to stop funding again, Planned Parenthood? Again, it's a double fallacy because there's nothing to overturn with Roe. The very idea is a canard. It's just there's no basis to it in law. Nothing to overturn. And secondly, they're not going to lift a finger. They tell you that again and again. They're judicial supremacists. They believe in judicial precedent. They tell you flat out when they're being interviewed by the U.S. Senate for the jobs. Yeah. They, they have no intention of doing anything about Roe. Uh, the courts are not our rulers. We do not right. live in a judicial oligarchy. Stop believing that we do. Uh, let, me, let me read you a couple of these quotes on judicial supremacy from the founders. This is from Thomas Jefferson. He said, nothing in the Constitution has given federal judges a right to decide for the executive more than to the executive to decide for them. Both magistries are equally independent in the sphere of action assigned to them. The Constitution meant that its coordinate branches should be checks on each other. But the opinion which gives to the judges the right to decide what laws are constitutional and what not, not only for themselves in their own sphere of action, but for the legislature and executive also in their spheres would make the judiciary a despotic branch. Wow. So let that sink in. Let me give you another, another Jefferson quote. He says, you seem to consider the judges as the ultimate arbiter, arbiters of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one which would place us under the despotism of, of an oligarchy. Our judges are as honest as other men and not more so in their power the more dangerous is they're in office for life and not responsible as the other functionaries are to the elective control. The Constitution has erected no such single tribunal, knowing that to whatever hands confided with corruptions of time and party, its members would become despots. I mean, I could give you yeah. quote after quote after quote from the founders to that effect. Let me let me give you a uh, one last one here. And again, they're all on that website. Let me give you one from Lincoln from his first inaugural address. He said, the candid citizen must confess that if the policy of the government upon vital questions affecting the whole people is to be irrevocably fixed by decisions of the Supreme Court, the instant they are made in ordinary litigation between parties and personal actions, the people will have ceased to be their own rulers having, to that extent, practically resigned their government into the hands of that eminent tribunal. That's, that's powerful. Yeah. Wow. So every pro-life law that's been put in our state codes, they all conform to Roe, and they also all conform themselves to this fallacy of judicial supremacy. Without exception, I don't know of any, any of these statutes put forward by the pro-life movement for the last five decades that has not. That's going to make a lot of uh, Republicans and conservatives scratch their heads, you know, because right. I mean, my, myself include, I included in a sense, over the years, I've kind of like waken up to the fact that, okay, this is not going anywhere. Um, but, you know, I, I just, when you watch mainstream media, you hear, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like a kabuki theater, right? I mean, the pro-lifers, if you, if you really watch, I, I've been involved in a lot of state capitals and a lot of legislative work over the years, lobbying here and there for things. And I've watched them. The pro-life lobbyists and the pro-abortion lobbyists, they hang out together, you know, after 
legislature, then they all go out and have drinks, you know? Yeah. So, uh, shifting gears a little bit, what, how, how does abortion relate to the eugenics movement? Well, they're, they're intimately, they're, they're the same thing. It's this disrespect for innocent human life, the lives of those made in the image and likeness of God. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it starts with a hatred of God that it then extends to those made in his image and likeness. You know, it's a abandonment of the natural moral law, every decent thing that law is premised in. And it just proceeds and you end up with, I mean, we have it right in our, you know, last century. It ends up with what happened in Germany. It ends up with Putin exterminating thousands of people, bombing Ukrainian cities into rubble. You know, it's just demonic. It's evil. It's all of the same spirit. It's a right. hatred of of God and it's a hatred for whatever is decent and right. It's a, it's lawlessness. It, it's all those things and it's all connected. You know, the ter- terrorists who attacked our country in 9-11, same spirit, no respect for God, really, fundamentally, and no respect for those who are made in his image and likeness and their rights. Hmm. Are you, are you familiar with the, um, the eugenics uh, movement and well, or the racism behind the eugenics movement? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Margaret Sanger, who is, you know, by extension, slaughtered far more than Stalin or Mao or any of the other great despots of the last century ever dreamed of slaughtering. Yeah, of course it's all rooted in racism. Uh, uh, Title 10 is based in eugenics. Title 10, where we've funneled untold amounts of money every year in the federal budget, you know, put there by George Bush Sr. and Bob Dole and Richard Nixon and those people. They've been funneling money to population control efforts for half a century or more. I mean, when, when they sign these kinds of bills, do you think that like that's their intention to um, eradicate like certain um, ethnicities? When they do these things, I racism in the whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's no, it's no, it's no coincidence that most of the surgical abortion clinics, these little mini Auschwitzes, are located in in minority areas of our major cities. That's no coincidence. That's where they were intended to be in the first place. Mm. Yeah, it's um. So, I mean, abortion, abortion claims a far higher percentage wise of uh, people of color than white folks. You know, look at the history of people like Hitler in Germany. He didn't want Germans aborting their babies, but he was more than happy for the undermentioned or whatever they call them, you know, Slavs, anybody else. He, they encouraged abortion. They wanted they wanted all of those lesser people in their eyes to kill themselves off. So it's all wrapped up. Like I said, it's of the same spirit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's evil. Either way you slice it. Yeah, it's, it's evil. Um, now, I've heard that, or I've read that another angle of this, this industry is that um, they are selling some of these, they're selling baby um, body parts. Like this is something that's, on the market, that this is an industry within itself. Um, do you know anything about that? Yeah, I know all about it. 
and yeah, it's it's cannibalism. And in fact, it extends to the whole uh, pharmaceutical business and modern science. They're they're using the cells, clone cells from murdered babies, to make vaccines. Uh, I know, uh, you know, maybe I'll get thrown off of somewhere when I say this, but the fact is, none of these COVID vaccines that are being sold in our country right now are not. None of that. They're all tainted by the cannibalism of these unborn babies that were murdered. Okay, so yeah, I did want to ask you about that because um, I think I read uh, one of your articles where you, you talked about the vaccine, the COVID vaccine having a cell line that was used from aborted fetuses. Could you touch on that a little bit? I think it's called HEC-23 or something like that. Yeah, that's one of them, and 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 I think, and I could somebody may correct me on this one. I think that might have been the cell line that really was a forced abortion in China. They have to actually abort the child alive to get the best cells that they possibly can. And this child, uh, if you look deep in the paperwork on that cell line, it said uh, the reason that for the abortion was the mother had a C-section scar. In other words, it was a forced abortion. So it wasn't just, it was, <laughs> it's all ghoulish. It's all wrong. It's all an abomination. But I, I'm pretty sure that's where that cell line came from. Um, so yeah, uh, see, and some of them, uh, some of these vaccines actually contain, if, if they're tested out, you'll find that these actual clone cells in the vaccine. So you're injecting, the actual substance into your body. Some of them aren't, but they were tested. And, and these, these companies are getting sneakier now. They, a couple of them, they'll say, well, we didn't test them using these cell lines, but some other company tested them for them. So they'll claim they didn't use them in testing, but they were brought to market using the cells of aborted babies, murdered babies. So they're all tainted. So what's the justification for using um, aborted baby tissue for vaccines? Is it because they, they think that the vaccines, they'll make the vaccines efficacy. more potent? Or? It's efficacy. They, they found a way to make that work. Okay. But I mean, does that mean we should use the lampshades that the Nazis and the concentration camps made out of the skins of, of murdered Jews? Because guess what? They work really good as lampshades. <laughs> right. You understand yeah. the moral yeah. problem. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, no, they're tainted, morally tainted. Uh, whether the cells actually show up in the in the the pharmaceutical product or not, they're tainted. Hmm. So it is what it is. I mean, all of these arguments you see all over the web about efficacy of these vaccines and safety and all those things are all important considerations. But they all pale in comparison to the moral problem. I, I, I don't even care about the efficacy or the safety questions personally that much because it flunks at the moral question, which always comes first. Is it moral? No. Well, then why are we even talking about it anymore? Reject it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's ultimately what it boils down to. Um, it's really a, a worldview war. You know, it's a, it's a battle of ideology. And um, that uh, that ideology uh, shows its effects in uh, 
in, in, in science and, you know, all different areas of life. Right. So that's, that's what it really boils down to. Um, in regards to your presidential run, um, when you ran the past few times, why didn't you get more exposure? Or why do you feel well, that? Well, it's did? a multifaceted answer to that question. It starts with the fact that the two so-called major parties are in complete control of the electoral system. Uh, so third-party efforts, independent efforts are frozen out. Uh, and they cheat. And by that, I'm not talking about the kind of stuff Trump talks about. I'm talking about, you know, we've gained ballot access in places and had Trump lawyers and their secretary of state's office kick us off the ballot illegitimately. I mean, so they, oh. they make the rules almost impossible for a real true grassroots effort to get off the ground. So and then they also, they, you know, they'll do whatever they can to interfere with your efforts as well. That's part of it. The other part of it is, the media, they're more than happy to give literally billions of dollars of free coverage to someone like Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever, but they, they won't even cover us. So you're saying that when you were running, there was Trump lawyers that illegitimately? Yeah, I'll just give you two examples. One was in Florida. We actually, as America's Party, we had the ballot line in 2008 and 2012. Uh, when Trump ran in 2016, the, the Trump lawyers, and I, I know I'm saying this literally, the people who actually supported Donald Trump that ran the Secretary of State's office, changed the rules. Even though the law had not changed, nothing had changed in the regulations, they just simply ruled uh, that the, the the law meant something different, and they just plain kicked us off the ballot. So we lost our ballot access in Florida. On what grounds, though? Uh, they they claimed we weren't a real party because we don't we don't we don't cooperate with the FEC in the way we do our politics. Our, our politics is not based in money; it's based in pure grassroots. So we're you know. Because we don't do things the standard way, they just said, well, you don't do things the standard way, so, you know, uh, you're not real. Oh, okay. Well, you were, we were real the last couple of elections in your state, but so, whatever. Uh, so in, you, in, in Arkansas, our volunteers went into the Secretary of State's office. They said, what do we need to do to get our candidate on the ballot? They told me, do this and this and this. Here's the paperwork. Go out and get so many signatures. The volunteers did exactly what they said. They went out. They got thousands of signatures. They brought them in the Secretary of State's office. They submitted them. The state of Arkansas said, okay, they're going to be on the ballot. A couple of days later, they sent us a letter saying, no, you're not going to be on the ballot. They filled out the paperwork. And they filled out the paperwork exactly like the Secretary of State's office told them to. Mm. So you so weren't on... Huh? You you weren't on the ballot for uh, as a presidential candidate for in Florida, not in no not in 2016, and it was too oh, late okay. by the time they pulled this to even run as a writing candidate. In 2020, I was a writing candidate because they robbed us of our ballot access. Okay, I think I I think I might have seen you on the 2020 ballot, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Maybe not. Some of the states, some of the states, when you're an officially recognized writing candidate, some of the states actually have a list in the polling place of those who are officially recognized writing candidates. In other words, who have submitted a slate of electors, et cetera. So, have you filed a lawsuit against? Uh, no. Against those lawyers, or? No, 
No. I, we didn't have the money to do that. We're just a bunch of poor folks trying to save the country with no money. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they know this. They know this. So they know they can cheat and get away with it. You know, but what do you do? Yeah. It's uh, David versus Goliath. I mean, look, it, it would all change. Again, I, I put the blame back on the church. If the Christians would stop putting up with it, if they would r- just write in a candidate that was qualified, actually qualified, according to, you know, biblical and constitutional standards, then the whole game would come unravel. I mean, uh, people have one high office in this country as writing candidates. Not very often, but it has happened. Right. So what do you say to those who say, oh, because I've been told this and I I, I stopped voting for um, major party candidates since uh, uh, George W. Bush after I started researching him. Um I mean, what would you say to those? I've been told from some of my elders, oh, you're wasted your vote. What, what you're doing is you're helping the Democratic Party win elections yeah. but by not um, voting for a major Republican and third parties are a waste of time. What do you say to people that say that? Well, they're, they're basing that in a logical fallacy, the false dichotomy. The whole two-party paradigm is, a, is actually a, a, a logical fallacy. <laughs> Just look it up. <laughs> it's, it's one of the listed logical fallacies in, in logic. Uh, so it's just simply not true. I mean, the whole lesser of two evils uh, is a utilitarian bunch of nonsense, which actually just traps you into a path of evil. So uh, people have themselves locked into this form of thinking and they continue to fall for it. But all it's doing is destroying them. So you, look, if you, if you cast your vote for me, in our system, you're voting for me, not voting. I mean, my my voters don't have like three votes. You know, they're told, well, a vote for Tom is a vote for Biden. Or they're told by Biden supporters, a vote for Tom is a vote for Trump. I guess my voters get three votes, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's, just a, it's a pack of lies and people got to quit falling for it. It's why, you know... <laughs> When you keep supporting what you think is the lesser two evils, it usually isn't, by the way. Usually it's the greater two evils and you just don't know it, like Trump. But, uh, yeah. you know, you're, if, if you want to know why the country's going to hell in a handbasket, it's you if you've got still locked in that fallacy. Yeah. Now, earlier you said, you said that the media loves to cover Trump, or they would love to, they would rather cover Trump than cover a candidate like you. Someone that is listening to this may say, Well, what are you talking about? The media hates Trump. You know, have you seen it? <laughs> well, they, 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 they may, and they especially do now after all of the damage that Trump did. But think early on. I mean, Trump got literally, he didn't have to spend any money. Every news report was about Trump, 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 Trump. And it went on for years. So they can hate him all they want, but they cover him. Oh, what did Trump tweet today? Yeah. Okay. Well, he's good for business. Oh, it is. No, they're selling, you know, they're selling copy. And so that's what it is. It's every bit as much. Look, I was involved in presidential politics long before I ever ran, working for people like Alan Keyes and others. And I, I was working at a pretty high level, like in 2000, I was the national political director for Keys when he ran as a Republican. You know, I was on the phone with the political director for a major network, and they just laughed. 
I, I can remember it just clear as day, him just laughing and saying, we're running this show. Who do you, who do you think you're kidding? They determine who gets to be in the debates. They determine what gets aired. You know. Wow. It is what it is. This was someone from a national media agency that told you this? It was, an, it was the political director for NBC News. Wow. And this is when Alan Keyes was running as president? Yeah, this was over two decades ago. But nothing's changed. Hmm. I, again, we, we don't have government of, by, and for the people anymore. And it's the people's own fault. Uh, with the communication tools that we have, remember, our forefathers won our independence. They didn't have the internet. Okay, they didn't have telephones. They didn't have a cell phone in their pocket. They had handwritten letters delivered by men on horseback, or you know, crudely printed flyers on you know, crude printing presses. You know, and they want our freedom. We have all of this technology. You and I here we are in different parts of the country having a long conversation about important things, and you're sitting in your place and I'm sitting in my place. I mean. We don't, we don't really have any excuse uh, for letting the mass media run our elections, letting the billionaires run our elections, letting a bunch of corrupt Republicans and Democrats continue to hold power. We really don't have any excuse. Uh, really, the responsible party is the sovereign in this country, and that was always considered to be the people. You know, at our nation's founding, you know, no king but Jesus, they said. Okay, mm-hmm. so from the beginning, our country was designed in a way that the people are the king, the people are the sovereign. The responsibility lies on the sovereign. Right. Yeah. Well, so what are some solutions? I mean, as far as getting like real candidates on these ballots and getting more exposure um, for candidates like yourself, obviously, it sounds like we're not going to get it from mainstream media. So. How do people outside of that system um, get great expo- a great amount of exposure for m- more independent candidates like yourself? Well, I would be lying to you, Rashad, if I said if I said that I had a lot of hope right now, because right now I feel like the people in this country, the Christians in this country, really don't want what's right and good. So as long as that's true, nothing's going to change. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not a person that's given yeah. to despair. I fought on over decades in spite of, you know, what most people would say is, you know, losing, okay? But mm-hmm. I'm not really one still that's given to despair. I think there's always hope. I always believe that people can turn around and repent and go the right way. I've always believed that. But until you have this change of heart, change of mind amongst Christians in this country and this this decision made in their mind, this resolution that they are no longer going to compromise away, which should should never be compromised. Nothing's going to change. If you had that happen, if you had tens of millions of Christians in this country who simply said, okay, here's the basic principle of I'm not going to compromise for any party or any politician anymore, then we could change it practically overnight. We could do it in spite of the media. We could do it in spite of the political parties. We could do it in spite of these awful election laws, which have been rigged by this two-party cartel. So it comes down to 
individual decisions. If it's just a few people, if it just it continues to be a few people scattered here and there, well, I'll just put it to you as blunt as I possibly can. There is no hope for this republic. All right. You know, if a whole bunch of people do it and then band together and really, you know, lay down some basic principles that can't be violated anymore, then there's hope. And and it could happen. Right. So that's what? my answer. It's not a hope-filled one. Yeah. It's reality. Right. What should the church be doing? I mean, um, should the church be broadcasting information like this from the pulpits? I mean, what, what would you say is the solution for the church? The pulpit is the place for truth. And all the things, there's nothing we're saying in this conversation today that couldn't and shouldn't be said from all the pulpits. But the problem is about 90% of the pulpits are supporting wicked antichrists like Donald Trump. About 90% of the evangelicals support people like Donald Trump. If they'll do that, they have no principles. They have nothing that they won't compromise away for perceived political expedience, okay? So, you know, (laughs) repentance, it, it works from the top down and from the bottom up. It needs to be the people sitting in the pews and the people standing behind the podium. They all need to repent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're... We've all fallen short, for sure. Um, not not to get stuck on this again, but, you know, when it comes to Trump, um, same thing, it reminds me of when Bush was in office, because when I, when George W. Was, was running for president, that was my first time being able to vote. And I remember being told by some elders that, you know, he is, he's a man of God and he's going to restore righteous principles to the nation and he's conservative. This is what, you know, this is the man we need to get behind. I remember there were pastors that were promoting him and everything. And it's funny because when he was in office, like a world changing event happened during his administration. Fast forward to Trump. Same thing. Trump is, uh, he's anti-establishment. He is, um, he's going to He's a man that's going to, you know, fight against the system and the globalists and the deep state and drain drain the swamp and all this. And I mean, tons of Christians, even a lot of pastors. There was even people prophesying that, you know, uh, he was going to be reelected and then Pence was going to, you know, speak up at the last minute about overturning the election, all this stuff. Why do you think, you know, I almost got caught into that trap, too. Um, of thinking, okay, maybe this guy, maybe he could shake some things up. I mean, in your opinion, did do you think he he shook some things up, or do you think he just promoted the globalist system, the antichrist? System? My my views on Trump have not changed from day one when he suddenly appeared on the national political scene. This man is a reprobate. He's a moral reprobate in every way. He's the most wicked individual to ever stride onto the American political stage. Nobody else is even close. There's no, there's no excuse. He didn't shake anything up. He, he so degraded the conservative movement and the Republican Party and the Christian church that I don't know if they can even recover. But I know they can't recover unless they start by repenting of support for this wicked person. You can't, you, you can't, I can't put any trust, you know, I'll, I'll grab one big high-profile public figure, okay? And I'll throw him out here. Uh, John MacArthur. You know who John MacArthur is, right? Mm -hmm. You know, big-time preacher. You know, Trump supporter. 
you know, I've listened to John MacArthur on the radio many times when he's on the Bible. It's all fine, you know, but I can't, I can't trust John MacArthur. He empowered Donald Trump. I can't put any confidence in him. Why would I trust anything that he says or does when he helped empower this person who's done so much damage to the world and to our country and especially to the church? Can you give maybe at least maybe two examples of how you think Trump has uh, damaged the country or the church or um, promoted the globalist system or wasn't really conservative? Well, for one thing, he was he never stopped being a supporter of the homosexual agenda. He held up their flag. He he actually launched a, a global effort to promote the homosexual agenda by the United States. He got it up in front of the United Nations. I listened to the speech myself in which he blatantly out and out supported the homosexual agenda. His vice president, who was once known as this big Christian conservative, you know, bragged about the fact that Trump brought support for the homosexual agenda into the forefront of the Republican Party. And there's one example. I'm sorry, God calls that an abomination. Who am I to believe? Donald Trump and Mike Pence or God. And let's, no. let's go back. Let's go back. You know, uh, Trump's famous ghost-written book. What is it called? The Art of the Deal? Way back. Right. Over two decades ago. He bragged in that book about the multitude of married women that he betted. He bragged in the book. This is a person who not only would do something like that, he thinks you will think more of him if he tells you about it. This is a morally bankrupt person. This is a moral reprobate. He always has been. He's never stopped being it. You know, January 6th was his fruit. You can tell a tree by its fruit. I'm sorry, his supporters attacked the U.S. Capitol and tried to stop the constitutional electoral process in his final steps. That's a fact. He's, he's immoral. And, and he's led, he's led, he, he's, I mean, his supporters are defending Vladimir Putin as he rapes and destroys a neighboring country because mm-hmm. they've been sucked into the same nonsense that Trump has been peddling all these decades. I mean, Trump has been in Putin's pocket all along. Obvious to anybody with any understanding at all. I mean, these are serious I, things. There are, uh, uh, yeah. As far as the whole Russia collusion thing, I um, I've been doing some research on that. I I don't necessarily believe that you know he was selected by Putin. To, I didn't uh, say that. As a, no, I'm not saying I, that. I, you I said, said that. No, what, here here's what I'm saying flat out. It's obvious to me that back when the Soviet Union still existed, way back, I believe it was in the 70s, Trump went over to. Soviet Union as a businessman, and they got him on tape, okay? It's called Compromat. There's actually been leaks out of the Kremlin that this is true, but it's been obvious even before those leaks of of documents happened. Uh, All you had to do is watch the early press conferences that included Putin and Trump, and you could see that Trump was like a beaten little dog. And, And I mean, everything has borne that out. I mean, his son bragged about the fact they had access to hundreds of millions of dollars of Russian money. And it just goes on and yeah. on. Just, I, mean, okay. I mean, I hate to have this just descend into the Trump thing. Right, right. But it's all part yeah. and parcel of, again, the pollution of the minds 
uh, of tens of millions of American Christians. Mm-hmm. So are you running uh, next election? I don't know. Okay. And so moving forward, I mean, what can people do as far as education-wise? What Are there any particular books or websites or sources you would recommend people go to? I, I know you, you named one earlier, but um, are there any others you would like to recommend? No, that's really the only one I'd recommend. Our, our party website is selfgovernment.us. Um, you know, I would recommend people pray. They read their Bible. They read real history. And they just began to get, get back to basic core principles. Principles like you'll find on that selfgovernment.us site. Just basic political principles. Just get back to them and stop compromising. Then start banding together, you know. I mean, I'm available on Facebook. If people want to friend me, they can. I'll talk to them. I'll answer their questions. Uh, we've had, for a couple decades, we've had national conference calls. Kind of taken a hiatus from that for a little while. But pretty soon we'll get those going again. I mean, I mean, it, it kind of starts with the individual and then just kind of starting to band together. Yeah. Well, I think over the past few years, I, you know, even though people may have voted for Trump um, and, you know, whether or not, I mean, some some people were well-meaning. I find that a lot of people that vote for certain candidates or believe in the two-party system are well-meaning. They just, some of them are just uninformed. Um, and, and so I think, uh, I think at times, you know, some people... They don't want to be informed. I think I've had that battle a lot where I try to, you know, give them some some counter or information that counters what they believe and they fight, fight you on it. <laughs> um, Believe me, I know the score. I've been fighting these battles for longer than I can even tell you. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's like it's like the same fallacies present themselves every day and we have to deal with them again and again and again and again for decades and decades. And then it's just layer upon layer upon layer of untruths that people have believed. Right. And it's very hard to undo them. And it's impossible to undo them when people don't want you to undo them. Yeah. You know, so if they're, I mean, if they are malicious, you know, they're not the people you're talking about. You know, if they really are, you know, poor, confused, naive people, you know, you handle them a little different. You try and be a little more gentle. But, you know, frankly, hard words are needed. I'll just be blunt again. Hard words are needed. People, they kind of need a a moral slap upside the head. Mm, And I know some people don't like that. And I know when you have to start using those kind of methods, there's people that just plain hate you. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I guarantee you there's some people out there that just plain hate me because of the things that we're talking about today. Yeah, I, well, it's just a matter of the uh, the heart, condition of the heart and uh, some self-reflection on, yeah. uh, you know, what is true and uh, what you want to support. Um, are you still affiliated with Alan Keys? No, actually, I, I hate to say it, but uh, Alan went the way of Trump. Okay. And really, I don't have anything else to say about that. It's sad to me. I, I considered him as close as a brother, uh, but we really are not politically affiliated any longer. Okay. Uh, I mean, a lot of relationships uh, throughout the years have been 
severed yeah. um, friendships, marriages. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. It really is just yeah, to see uh, this big divide. Um, but, you know, if we if people if we can educate people in grace and love, I mean, you know, I think that's a good thing. Um, yeah. But hopefully we can we can move forward. Well, Tom, um, thank you for your time today. Um, is there um, any last words you have or any anything you want to plug as far as what you're doing, any events you have coming up or anything like that? No, you know, I just, again, one last time, I would just urge people to get back to basics, get back to moral basics, get back in your Bible uh, and just make a resolution to do what's right. We, we all have a basic knowledge. Even little kids have a basic understanding of the difference between right and wrong. We just need to get back to that understanding and start operating that way. And, you know, if we do that, then there's hope for our posterity. There's hope for our children and grandchildren that they'll have, you know, they'll have a future and a hope. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for your time, for your time today. Thank Tom. you. It was a great interview. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you.